Two years ago, the nation was stunned by a deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol. Since then, a thousand people have faced charges in connection with the insurrection, one in ten of them from Florida. And tonight we hear from a Bay Area man who still defends his actions that day and an expert on extremism who says that the threat to our democracy has only gotten worse, not better. Eight on your side, investigator Walt Buteau joins us live in studio. Stacey and Keith, Jeremy Brown is a former Green Beret who says he stands by the part he played on January 6th. But one expert says that people like Brown are the reason America is not out of the woods since that date. Jeremy Brown is behind the door of this Tampa home as FBI agents asked to question him in late 2019. Brown, a retired Green Beret featured on this Special Forces poster, claims he was recruited by the feds to infiltrate the Oath Keepers a month before the January 6th Capitol riots. The 48-year-old talked with us from the Pinellas County Jail. That on the nights that I lie in bed and I cry myself to sleep, I sometimes selfishly think to myself, I could have taken a plea agreement to save myself because I don't know that the American people even care. Brown was convicted last month of six charges for possession of illegal firearms, two grenades, and one classified document. He was acquitted of four other counts and is appealing the conviction on claims that guns are legal and the grenades and documents were planted during the search of his home. Brown is scheduled to stand trial in Washington on charges he was in a restricted area during the Capitol assault. He is not alone. 940 people involved in the riot have been arrested. 100 are from Florida. 36 are from the Bay Area. And two years after the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol, experts who track extremism say people like Jeremy Brown represent a threat to democracy, a threat that may be growing worse, not better. John Lewis is with the George Washington University program on extremism. The grievances that drew this crowd, this violent crowd, even the ones from Florida to January 6th to the U.S. Capitol, has not gone away. The, the, the threat has, in fact, in the views of many extremism experts, has gotten worse. Today, President Joe Biden awarded the Presidential Citizens Medal to more than a dozen individuals, including a law enforcement officer who died on the day of the riots and officers who were there and later died by suicide. So how many of these defendants have actually been convicted? So the record is pretty good if you go by the numbers. Just over 500 have either pleaded guilty or been convicted, with more than 350 sentenced, and nearly 200 have received jail time as part of their sentence. But keep in mind, some estimates are there were as many as 3,000 in the Capitol, so that theoretically leaves hundreds out there that have not been charged or even caught. Right, but of those 940 you're talking about, almost more oh, than more half. More than half have been half. convicted, and, and a small percentage like Brown are fighting. Right. Thank you, Walt. Okay. The all-spectrum fight to control you. Welcome to Training Tuesday here on the Rob Manus Show Live on Patriot.tv and simulcast to our X-Spaces audience. And welcome to you all over there with the uh, hosts, Cat, uh, The Hammer, and uh, Shell. Control governments and the powerful have sought to control our thinking and what we believe through various means down through the ages. It's not new. With today's technology, the term propaganda has been replaced with the narrative. And January 6, 2021 is the most frightening example of the strength of powerful influence operations that use a combination of effective modern technology, government agencies, and the coordination of the most influential mainstream media outlets, including social media. The truth no longer needs facts, just 
millions of Americans who still believe their government always tells them what they need to know truthfully. The good news is that millions of Americans have awakened to this effort and see it for what it is, the government's attempt to control society and squash individual rights. Well, my guest today, Kathy Chamberlain, is the author of a book called Rules for Deplorables, a primer for fighting radical socialism, and is one of those awakened Americans who is shining a bright spotlight on these nefarious activities and educating us all on how to fight them. Kathy, welcome to The Rob Manus Show. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Uh, it's so important we get this information out. We're at a race down to the finish line here, uh, eight and a half months left before elections. Um, so yeah, yeah, thank you for spreading the word. We appreciate you coming on, you know, and, I, and I, you've worked a lot with Jeremy Brown, mm -hmm. the way I understood it. Uh, so I, I picked that clip for a cold opening uh, uh, because it does a couple of things. One, it, it does highlight the fact that Jeremy was approached by the FBI prior to January 6th, as he has said consistently. Uh, but one of the other things that that highlights is the media's role in this false narrative and supporting the idea that men and women like Jeremy Brown are domestic terrorists and extremists. And then the third thing that it highlights is uh, the young man from, I think it was George Washington University, uh, who is supposed to be an expert in this, uses the phrase, the threat is still there because the grievances that existed on January 6, 2021, still exist. Think about that. The <laughs> grievances are the threat to the United States of America in addition to these people. Uh, and, and that's why I wanted to get you on uh, because your book, uh, you wrote your book, uh, Rules for Deplorables, because it's it's a antidote, I believe, uh, to uh Things like Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, who we're going to talk about throughout the show, uh, uh, you know, uh, but but Jeremy Brown specifically, uh, do the audience uh, a favor and just explain to them how you know him uh, and what you guys have been doing, because I, I got excited when I read about it, uh, especially the political campaign. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, um, Jeremy came across my uh, path. Back in June of 2021, I had a podcast going at that time and um, he came on my podcast and I was just just amazed by his story because here is at any other time in history would be considered a true American war hero. The man is a, uh, a Green Beret, 20 years he was uh, served our country with distinction and honor, uh, twice uh, awarded the Bronze Star, four times deployed to war zones for us. And uh, apparently uh, he got uh, contacted by the FBI in December of 2020, yes, 2020, seems so long ago now. Um, and the FBI uh, literally tried to recruit him to become an infiltrator. That was the whole, the whole deal. And he, uh, being an expert in counterinsurgency and counterintelligence, was smart enough to pick up on the fact that they were looking for um, him to kind of infiltrate groups that might possibly be at a future gathering. Now at the time, January 6th had not even been announced by President Trump, 
Uh, and yet the FBI uh, fellows, uh, two agents came to his door in Tampa and uh, they, uh, they spoke about a January event. What could that have been, right? Uh, now he had the fortitude to tape the entire conversation and, um, and with their permission, he asked them, they said, sure, do what you have to do. And so he did. Now, he wasn't going to do anything at all with that until he heard Christopher Ray come before the American people on, uh, I believe it was March 2nd or 3rd in Congress uh, and testified, basically saying, oh, no, we didn't have any infiltrators on January 6th. Now, remember, folks, this was one, two months after January 6th back in 2021. And so uh, that really teed Jeremy off and he thought, no, we can't let them get away with this. So that's when he started going on podcasts. Uh, he went viral on a couple of them. That's how I got to know him. And then it was, let's see, June, uh, September 29th or 30th was the date that he got surrounded by the FBI, a joint terrorism task force actually that included, you know, Roger Stone, like everybody knows the drill now. Um, but in, included local Tampa police, um, the, uh, the U.S. Marshals, the Sheriff's Department. So they're all in collusion here, and it's unbelievable. Uh, they all think the same way. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Rob, but um, uh, many of my speeches following January 6th included a, a bulletin that was put out by the DHS on, G on January 27th one week after you know who was installed in the white house and um and that bulletin basically outlined the definition for a uh an extre uh, a violent extremist uh, homegrown supposedly um and two of the factors way back then they were talking about if you complain about the covid restrictions or uh, the transition, the presidential transition, right? Um, uh, or the election of 2020. These all make you what they call a DVE, a domestic violent extremist. So the fix was in the day after January 6th when Biden came out and called everybody insurrectionists. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> think, you know, and I saw that, uh, the, the copy of the flyer, and I remember it. Uh, and it was around that time that the FBI was also saying things like uh, the symbols of the Betsy Ross flag or the Gadsden flag that don't tread on me flag for folks that don't know are also indicators that you're a DBE. That's why I have a five by eight Betsy Ross flag and a Gadsden flag flying on a 30 foot pole in front of my house on the very, very busy highway right now. And it will stay there uh, until we crush this idea. Now, was Jeremy at in D.C. on January 6th? Did he attend that uh, that rally? In fact, the FBI contacted him while he was there, so surely they knew he was there, but he went as a volunteer a security detail for one of the speaker's mothers there. And he really had no intention, actually, of going to the Capitol, but of course, like a lot of us who were there, we marched up that Constitution Avenue when it was uh, when it was announced to go. And he never went inside of the Capitol, mind you. And in fact, he even saved a woman's life who was about ready to get trampled uh, by the, uh, the by the police force up there on, near the steps. So um, so they they initially started off with him with uh, two uh, misdemeanors, uh, 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 misdemeanor charges like they do so many of these guys um, yeah. for trespassing on Capitol grounds. 
And that's, that's really how they do the whole setup uh, to, uh, to do the searches on these folks' homes. Um, and then they conveniently find something that makes them guilty as heck on some other charges. That's what happened with him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, and, and the other the charges related to the Capitol were dropped or, or he was acquitted on. I can't remember which, uh, but the, the charges he was convicted on were all based on the search, right? If I remember correctly, well, the firearms violation. Is that correct? Partially, partially correct, but uh, he's still facing the D.C. charges, believe it or not. Now, he was given mm -hmm. seven years because he would not take a plea deal. He never did. He was right on with his... Uh, with his uh, uh, testimony to all of us at the very beginning, all of his supporters here locally in the Tampa Bay area. Um, and he told us he would never take that plea deal. He did not. So as a result, he got seven years in um, in, in jail. And now he's uh, fighting for his appeal. Anybody who can help him, may I say where they can go to? to yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, that would be Jeremy Brown yeah, Defense. Dot com. He needs your help, folks. It's just it's incredible. Just as you see them doing to uh, President Trump right now, they basically got the process down through the January Sixers and everything I see them doing against uh, uh, President Trump at this time. They've already done to all of these January Sixers. So they perfected their M.O. They have, they have. Well, well, we've got a hand up or two over in the audience. Uh, let's take a question before we go to the first break. Go ahead, Cat and Show. Go ahead, Doc. Hey, Colonel. Um, it's a pleasure to speak with you once again. Um, I have a question for your guest. Um, you wrote your book in um, kind of as a response to Alinsky's rules for radicals, right? And those rules have changed in the J6 dynamic. So if you could add anything to your book, would, is there anything that you would pick or anything that you could you know, lead us to that has changed since the whole J6 shenanigans has gone down? Well, thank you for the question. And I wrote my book um, after a life-threatening accident that changed my entire life. I was a building contractor here in Tampa Bay. Um, and this shifted my whole direction to saving our country. Uh, as I recovered watching uh, the Alinsky tactics being used uh, against the president and a lot of other people like General Flynn and, and we know the, the list now. But, um, but yes, yeah, so um, I was a flaming liberal in the day uh, back in my 20s in California and I, uh, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky was pretty much mandatory reading. It's known as the Bible of the left. It contains 13 tactics. Uh, that the left uses against us. Um, Alinsky was the father of community organizing, so they they have this down. And so what I decided to do was write a counter book, Rules for Deplorables. We all know where I got that uh, title from. I thank Hillary every day for the title of my book. Um, and uh, I went on a speaking tour and tried to wake everybody up I could. Now I take every uh, Alinsky tactic uh, and open up a chapter with each one. Uh, using current events to try to explain how they're being used and uh, and how to use them back against the left. For example, your audience will really um, uh, get this one, tactic number five, which is the most oft used, uh, which is ridicule is man's most potent weapon. And so whenever we see the left calling people conspiracy theorists, even I've been called that a number of times or 
um, um, homophobes or xenophobes, sexists, whatever they've called Trump, uh, they've done that intentionally, even when they were calling him unpresidential uh, or saying that he tweeted too much. That really came from the left. But so many conservatives are blind to the fact that the left is so devious that they plant this stuff in our minds. Um, and so uh, it's important that we recognize when they're using these tactics against us. Now, with your question regarding the tactics uh, on, on January 6th, the problem now, sir, is that we have lost our rule of law. Um, and if anybody hasn't recognized that by the time these trials with uh, uh, Trump have uh, been unfolding uh, before us, I have witnessed firsthand by going to Jeremy's trials here locally that um, we are we we have no constitutional rights any longer. It's very, very frightening to see all of this unfold. And the tactics that Saul Alinsky used in conjunction with the Cloward Piven strategies, which is also in my book and also very important for people to understand how they work interchangeably, they're all meant to destroy our country from the inside uh, and, and literally implode um, all the systems that we have operating and they're doing a darn good job. So it's time to wake up and not just watch these shows, but share them because if, if other people don't wake up, we're at a race uh, uh, for the narrative here. Um, and, and, and that's the best I can say about that. So hopefully this will reach a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kathy, we got to take a commercial break real quick, but when we come back, we'll hear about, uh, artificial intelligence and specifically the Grok uh, X space or X artificial intelligence and your thoughts on how uh, it relates to the January 6th narrative and the further control of what Americans are thinking by the government and the media. We'll be right back with uh, author Kathy Chamberlain. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 877-547-5743. That's 877-KIRK-PHD. Welcome back to the Rob Mena Show on Patriot.tv. We're live and talking with author of Rules for Deplorables, Kathy Chamberlain, uh, and her work and how to counter the ideas of Saul Alinsky in his book, uh, Rules for Radicals. And additionally, the technology and media interlace there. And if you could uh, bring up the uh, Grok AI clip, I'd appreciate it. Can we move to the other Musk fun story, Grok? Grok. Grok. Grok, right? I think Grok. I love that name. Yeah. Uh, Grok. Okay, so it's Musk's. So this TV. is XAI's debut generative AI tool, chatbot for, for a layman's description. It's built on the large language model Grok 1, which has tens of billions of parameters similar to Llama 2. But th the main thing about it is that it's trained on X, as in the platform formerly mm -hmm. known as Twitter data. And what they said is that they were basically able to train it incredibly quickly and with half of the training resource, in other words, compute, because it leverages X data. And you'll notice 
notice that if you want to get on the wait list, you have to have an X account. And in the first instance, getting it means being an X subscriber. So this is the interplay between Musk companies that we've been mm -hmm. talking about a while. Why, in some ways, you do wonder why it's taken him so long. And you do wonder kind of how this fits into the wider narrative. Is this a standalone business or is it, to go back to Tesla, part of Tesla, is it part of X? Is it, how, how, does he, how does he think about this business? Does it sit at the centre of everything or is it just subservient to all those other brands? Well, the day that X.ai launched, they had a small paragraph at the bottom of their sole web page that said, we will be working closely with X, the platform for me knows Twitter, SpaceX and Tesla, <laughs> but we are a distinct company. You have to use X, the company formerly known as Twitter, to access this AI model in the first instance. So I think that tells us everything about the interlink. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Grok AI is, is uh, it's even bigger than just the X platform. Uh, I think the, the questioner there was correct, Kathy, in that, in that Musk has made this the center of his operations uh, uh, in uh, the core of where the thinking is going to come from and go into around all of the companies like Tesla, SpaceX, uh, Starlink, all, all of those uh, companies, plus the X uh, platform, obviously. But uh, you mentioned something when we were talking uh, uh, before the show about how this Grok AI is a danger on this supporting the January 6th narrative, the way I understood you. Talk about that interplay uh, and how that has a has wider implications to beyond the J6 narrative, but to to that control that I talked about in my opening monologue of the American mind. Yeah, this is pretty fascinating. This really caught my eye when I saw this come out because um, I originally saw it on uh, Alex Jones show where he asked a question of Grok. Uh, and as you know, he's probably probably know that he is uh, doing a lot of work with Elon Musk these days. Um, and so when he uh, he wanted to ask Grok a question, what he basically asked him was, hey, um, Grok, why, why would a government uh, create so much chaos in the streets? Uh, what do they gain from that? And as uh, Grok spit out about six answers to that question, and as I'm reading them, I'm looking at them going, oh my gosh, this is an Alinsky tactic. <laughs> so it was pretty remarkable to me um, that Grok, and I'll just give you a real quick example. This is one of the, uh, the uh, most striking ones. The question, uh, the, the question was, why would the government want chaos in the streets? So Grok answers, his number four answer was to undermine the opposition. Um, Grok said, creating chaos can weaken political opponents and make it more difficult for them to organize and challenge the government. So immediately I'm thinking, wow, that's tactic number 10, and we're seeing it unfold in real time. And tactic 10 is the major premise for tactics, is the development of operations that maintain a constant pressure. In other words, outflank your enemy, your opposition from all sorts of directions. And we can see this happening right now, Rob, with all of the lawsuits going on against uh, President Trump. I mean, it's dizzy. People can't even keep them straight anymore. I mean, the whole purpose for them uh, for doing all these lawsuits it, is to make the impression, to create the narrative that Trump is the biggest criminal in the whole wide world. Well, it's backfiring, but 
um, but not for a lot of people who are still blinded um, uh, by by what the left is pulling here. So it it'll be interesting to see Grok out, uh, play out. Um, uh, Elon Musk came out with this in November, and Grok, the word I looked it up because I'm like, well, where, what does that even mean, G R O K? Uh, and it actually comes from a 1961 book, um, the, the, a science fiction book that uh, is all about Martians, and that term is in there, and it, it basically means to to kind of em, em, empathetically and sympathetically understand others' minds, I guess. <laughs> Well, and the byproduct of that, though, is influencing minds. It's a huge, what we call an influence operation. Uh, uh, the, the J6 narrative is just one example of the government, uh, media, social media, cabal, and intelligence agency cabal's uh, influence operation directed at U.S. citizens. Now, there was a time when I was a kid growing up and when I was in the Cold War, and, and even after, even uh, uh, post 9 11, uh, when I was uh, in combat units and everything, uh, there was a time when the United States didn't aim our tools at the American people. Uh, but having done so against enemies of America, uh, you can see the tools that are being aimed at the American people. And corporations are complicit. And when corporations and government are in partnership with each other and complicit to oppress and suppress your individual rights, folks, that is the classical definition of fascism. They may be Marxists on the left. They may be uh, something else on the extreme right, uh, you know, uh, but what they really are is government and corporate power being aimed at the American people. Uh, and Kathy, your book, uh, Rules for Deplorables, uh, addresses these Alinsky tactics, uh, doesn't it? Liam, one of, uh, you know, one of the lefts uh, through Alinsky's uh, ideology is, of course, we've heard, you know, never let a good uh, uh, crisis go to waste. Well, even if you have to manufacture, if they have to manufacture the chaos and the crisis, they have no problem with that. In Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, he also talks about 11 rules of ethics. Think about this, folks. Um, that he's explaining to the liberals and the left um, and the Democrats, because they partnered with Alinsky and Cloward Piven purposely to gain hold of the votes in the inner cities back in the 60s. Um, but uh, but the, the ethics basically teach their followers <clears throat> that that depending on the importance of the goal to be achieved, um, is it, it, that that relates to how how ethical they need to be. And in fact, if the goal is really important, like winning this final battle here, ethics be damned. And that's basically what they're what they're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, just just the uh, uh, the approach towards President Donald J. Trump. Uh, uh, shows that uh, ethics have gone out the window a long time ago, especially in the legal arena and the medical profession. Uh, and uh, uh, and now, now, Kathy, they are throwing the law out. Be, it's beyond the ethical decisions. They are throwing the law of the land out. Uh, the Constitution has been said by some uh, uh, as to being a dead letter anyway, uh, especially those on the left. 
I think that phrase might have been be, in, even been used by somebody we're going to talk about and his transformation in the in the next segment. But uh, uh, but, but that is what is very puzzling uh, is to how they are able to get away with this level of influence operation that goes way beyond uh, a, a, a fake election in 2020. I'll say it. Uh, uh, this fake insurrection narrative on January 6, 2021, rounding up. I mean, we're well over 1,300 political prisoners based on January 6 that they have been rounded up and charged uh, with these silly charges, really, like parading or uh, the obstruction uh, charge uh, is going to be heard by the Supreme Court. Hopefully they will throw it out for what it is, which is absurd. It's an absurd application of that particular law. And people are going to, to jail for more than 10 years in some cases uh, for that type of thing. But what's really interesting, even more than that, is that the American people that see it and do know it aren't in the streets in the millions at this point. And we need to talk about that. And I think it's because of the transformation that started many, many years ago. Uh, even before Barack Obama, but we'll hear from him after this break here on the Rob Mana Show, and we'll be back with Kathy Chamberlain, author of Rules for Deplorables. Just one minute. What if this happened to you when you're alone? Or what if it happened here? With MedGuard Alert, you're never alone. You can connect with medical professionals anywhere, anytime. And now MedGuard is introducing our exclusive new CareWatch. If you need help quickly, use it from anywhere to contact medical professionals. No cell phone required. The CareWatch is not only a life-saving medical alert device, it's a revolutionary health monitoring system that checks your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation, and much more. And here's the best part. If you have Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. The care watch is only available through MedGuard Alert. Call us right now. We have monitoring programs starting as low as a dollar a day. The call is free. Activation is free. Shipping is free. And no contract is required. Remember, with Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. Don't wait. Call us to get your care watch right now. Operators are standing by. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. In five days, you can turn the page on policies that put greed and irresponsibility on Wall Street before the hard work and sacrifice of folks on Main Street. In five days, you can choose policies that invest in our middle class and create new jobs and grow this economy so that everyone has a chance to succeed. Folks who can't pay their medical bills or send their kids to college or you not being able to afford college or thinking about that 30 or 40 or $50,000 worth of debt that you might have to carry. People who, who can't save for retirement. You know, ordinary Americans, we can't take a back seat to CEOs and Wall Street banks for four more years. But remember, we faced difficult times before. The American story has never been about things coming easy. It's been about rising to the moment when times are tough. Some of you may be cynical and fed up with politics, and you have every right to be. But despite all of this, I ask of you what's been asked of Americans throughout our history. 
If you'll stand with me and fight by my side and cast your ballot for me, I promise you this, we will not just win Missouri, we will win this general election. And together, we will change this country and we will change the world. Thank you. Barack Obama's transformation of America. That was just prior to his election there, and he said it over and over again. But he also linked ideas that Americans like with his mission to transform America. What he didn't say was that those things that he mentioned that Americans like to get him to vote for him are not the things that he put into process and policy and law during his two administrations and continues into what a lot of folks are saying is the third Obama administration under this installed president named Biden. And we're talking with author of Rules for Deplorables, uh, Kathy Chamberlain, today. And uh, I might add, Kathy, that you're also a, uh, 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 a very uh, successful construction company uh, owner and entrepreneur, really. Uh, that, uh, that is a standout in the state of Florida, I believe it is. Uh, so thank you for what you do there, and congratulations on, on being so successful with that. But, uh, you know, I wanted to show the Obama clip uh, because that transformation mission that he set out on was totally different than the issues that he got people to vote for him on. Uh, and the United States government and all governments and all media, I take you back to the cold opening video, that was a local television station. That was not the national mainstream media that was putting that crap out about Jeremy Brown and the people that were uh, in D.C. on January 6th. Those were local television stations. And before three years ago, I would have said local TV stations, they just put out the facts, but they no longer do that. The entire system has been transformed. That's one of the legs of Barack Obama's transformation of America. The entire messaging system down to the citizen of the United States has been completely transformed into a weapon to control the thinking of Americans and get them out of thinking about what's right and constitutional and uh, in the favor of liberty and get them in the mode of thinking the government's always right. We have to swear allegiance to the government, uh, not to the document that established the government and the foundational ideas in the Declaration of Independence. But again, we are awake. Millions of us are awake now, thanks to people like you, Kathy. Uh, how do we, I guess the, the first question I have going into this segment is, uh, how does your answer to Rules for Radicals help us address what's happening with this transformation and its continuance with such power through the government, the media, digital, the intelligence agencies, it's almost seems insurmountable. It sure does. Every time you turn around, there's something new that's been um, planted for years and years. Uh, and they've done a very good job of, of that. Um, but what you saw there, the crowds that Obama, and I do dissect Obama's speech there in my book, um, but what you saw there are what Stalin called useful idiots. People hate it when I use that word because they feel like it's so derogatory. But the truth is these are a bunch of unawake um, Americans uh, who just listen to 
that first sentence, the transformation of America, tactic 12 is the, 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 the best uh, tactic is where you build a, con a constructive alternative to a negative and turn it into a positive. And, um, and that's what you heard him do right there. The transformation was really very negative, um, but nobody heard that part because they, they, they just heard all the free stuff and, and that he was gonna save the world. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, all we can do, honestly, I think, uh, Robert, that at this point is to wake as many people up as we can. We really truly are at a race for time. I headed up, uh, def uh, uh defend Florida group here in my County and across the state that, um, we were, we were election integrity, um, canvassers and to see if we actually were pretty safe here and, I'm telling you now, we're in so much trouble, and mainly because we didn't even get help from the Republican uh, leaders who did not want, they don't want anybody talking about the fraud. So without fixing that, we're going to have to overwhelm uh, these machines at this point. And so everybody better get out and vote. We know we've heard that one uh, before, uh, but the truth of the matter is that's really where it's going to stand so that uh, we can make it so obvious to the world and here in our country uh, that the cheating is going to continue because it's going to continue. It's going to be worse than ever um, in November. But the more people we wake up with shows like yours, uh, the more able we are uh, to get people out there. I now have a new podcast, Warren 2024, um, on Rumble, where I, as an activist, and I'm very, very much an activist on the streets. I don't just talk the game. I'm out there and right. I interview right. other activists um, in to show people who are sitting on their couch, look, we're people just like you. We need your help. We need everybody. This is all hands on deck. And and just a quick correction before I forget, I no longer have my construction company, but it was all all female, all girl construction company first in the, in, in the country. Um, and it was a lot of fun while it lasted, but my, my accident took me in this direction. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's great. Uh, you know, I was just commenting on your success uh, at starting that company and uh, generating that business and uh, generating uh, prosperity for uh, the people around you and your community and your state and your nation, really. The uh, so when we look at this, uh, Kathy, uh, I think about as far as elections go, I now think about how can I help get our ballots in the ballot box? Uh, to overwhelm the system. I used to think when I was a candidate, first became a candidate for office after I left the military, uh, you know, I was trained, you know, get out the vote, get out the vote, you know, and on the Republican side, uh, uh, the folks tend to shy away from early voting in those days. Uh, and then with the whole pandemic issue uh, and the rules being changed in many cases illegally uh, and then confirmed illegally, uh, because uh, the right bodies, according to the Constitution, weren't doing the changes, uh, this ability to uh, essentially get more of their ballots in the ballot box uh, in the millions, by the millions, became an effective way to win and try to completely uh, eliminate the ability of the opposition party to win elections. Uh, so... What I'm trying to get people to do is understand it's about getting our ballots in the box. It's not about getting our voters out. Get out there, encourage the elderly that the early voting's going on right now for the primary in Mississippi. Uh, it started 
several days ago and people uh, for people age 65 or older. And, and when you go talk to people 65 or older, they don't even know it, you know. Uh, so uh, we've got to get our ballots in the ballot box uh, and overwhelm their fraud because they're going to try to use it at every turn, just like they did the last two times. And you know what? The laws have not been changed enough. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kathy, in order to to uh, uh, eliminate some of that fraud ability on the other side. So we've got to change the way we look at these elections and get out there. And there are some great people like you out there at the activist level. Scott Pressler's one. Uh, Charlie Kirk's got a big uh, his big organizations working on it uh, and, and a whole host of other people. Uh, those are just names that come to mind. But uh, so how do we have we I guess have we changed the way our side views voting now to what I'm talking about or are we still in the same old rut of get out the vote? I hate to be doom and gloom, Robert, if you want the truth out of my mouth. Yeah, we're still in the same rut um, because uh, and really, truly, the ones I blame are the Republican leadership, the RNC on down, uh, because we were told even here at a local level, shh. Don't talk about the 2020 fraud. Starting in November 5th, November 4th, 2020, um, because so many of us wanted to see something done. And then what happened just a mere month or two later, we go for a runoff in Georgia um, without even fixing the problem. So we tend to uh, uh, be the polite guys and we tend to sit back and say, okay, it's going to get fixed. They're going to they're going to take care of that. But no, folks, we, we have made some progress here in Florida and around the country, uh, but my gosh, not nearly enough. Look, you can get out the vote, Rob, with 500,000 new voters, um, but all they have to do is flip a switch and have 500,001, right? Yeah, I mean, there it's, it's a powerful uh, tool that they've developed over decades and decades. Uh, and... Uh, We've got to get there. We've got to convince people to get there. Well, let's go over to the live audience and see if we've got a question, Kat or Shell. Uh, you guys have a question over there for our guests? I got a question for you guys. Um, it, you know, we're dealing with a, a, a lot of voter apathy. And in the last election, only about 62% of the country voted. Um, and here we are with the same, like, I agree with her 100% that not one thing has changed in the, in the outlook on that. We've got Scott Pressler busting his butt trying to get people motivated in registering new Republicans, but yet we can't get even Republican upper echelon to agree that perhaps we should do things a little differently and maybe vote early when we can. And But everybody, it, that, that's kind of like that conservative thing. We always vote the day of. Well, that's where they get the opportunity to say, oh, well, we had a water leak or, oh, we ran out of ballots or, oh, the machines are broke. Any suggestions on trying to motivate the base? Because a lot of us that are in this space are trying to do it daily and I don't seem to be breaking through at all. It's uh, kind of disheartening. Go ahead, Kathy. Yeah, I totally agree. It is disheartening and apparently not enough Americans have felt the pain yet uh, to really truly get active. My second chapter is Viva la Revolucion and it's all about Venezuela and how they thought they were too big to fail and look where they are now from the richest to the poorest in less than a decade, lost their Second Amendment rights, uh, had their uh, their Supreme Court packed with with leftists, true leftists, and so 
Um, you know, I don't know what the answer is because we've been fighting here locally for three years. And again, as I said, if it wasn't for the Republican leadership here, we'd have no opposition at all because I don't run into Democrats pushing back on me. Although we know that they're behind the scenes getting more organized and more organized as we continue to want to not address the real problems. Um, oh my gosh, it's, it, it, it is really frightening. But again, um, we have eight and a half months left and the best antiseptic is light, right? Sunlight, we have to keep waking people up. Every speech I give, I, I'm, I'm shocked at the end of the speech that people either never heard of Jeremy Brown or uh, they thought that we have the gold standard here in Florida still. They didn't even realize that we had a problem. We need to get rid of all the machines. There are things that we are doing here at a local level um, with a gentleman who is doing a whole lot of research, Chris Gleason, I, I give him a lot of credit. We're fighting our supervisor of elections on the ground. We're about ready to, we're, get, we're gathering signatures uh, for, to, to um, impanel a grand jury. Um, because we want to see these machines gone. They're not giving us access to even public records requests. I filed one that came with uh, back with an estimate of $300,000. How is a grassroots organization supposed to come up with that kind of money? And that would have told us whether the work we were doing on the ground um, was really, in fact, factual, which we know it was, but, uh, but this would have uh, they're, they're, they're hiding so much. It's just, it's deep on the Republican side too, uh, Rob, and to your audience. I would say 100% of the Democrats are already socialist to Marxist, and uh, half of the Republicans are. I think you've all seen that on the Hill. Absolutely. And just so you, I'm going to show you just how strong the narrative and the control, uh, the desire for control of your mind is on the way back in from this commercial break, because you know what? Saul Alinsky wasn't a radical. And we'll talk more about this in just a moment. When I grow up, I wanna work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up. When I grow up, I wanna be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my co-workers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. It seems like Newt Gingrich's favorite name on the campaign trail. He invokes it constantly, comparing President Obama to one man. The president believes in a kind of Saul Alinsky radicalism. The values that he believes in, the Saul Alinsky radicalism that is at the heart of Obama, uh, are, are a disaster. I think he is a genuine, sincere Saul Alinsky radical. Okay, folks, help us out. Do you know who Saul Alinsky was? I don't. 
No idea? No idea, sorry. If I remember correctly, wasn't he a member of the Weather Underground? Not quite. He was a uh, community organizer, I think Chicago-based. We have a winner, Saul Alinsky, a community organizer in Chicago who took on powerful bosses like Mayor Richard Daley to give poor, underrepresented neighborhoods a voice in decision-making. Sanford Horwitt wrote a biography of Alinsky. If the aldermen uh, in a neighborhood in Chicago uh, didn't respond to neighbors who wanted their garbage picked up uh, the way uh, middle-class neighborhoods got their garbage picked up, they, the group might load a, a, a truckload of garbage and dump it on the aldermen's doorstep. So is Saul Alinsky this campaign's version of Reverend Jeremiah Wright and activist William Ayers, the polarizing figures conservatives bracketed President Obama with in 2008? Horwitz says even though he wrote two books with the word radical in their titles, Alinsky never adhered to extremes of any ideology, left or right, and says he always had a broader purpose. Horwitz says Alinsky didn't organize protests just to agitate. He says he did it out of a true sense of patriotism to affect what he saw as positive change for a country he genuinely loved. As for an Obama connection, Saul Alinsky died when the president was 10 years old. Mr. Obama did once have the same job in Chicago, and Horwitz says he was trained by people who'd worked with Alinsky. But an Obama campaign official says the president disagreed with Alinsky's confrontational tactics. Why is Newt Gingrich pounding on this? We couldn't get an answer out of his campaign. Rich Galen, an aide to Gingrich in the 90s, believes he's playing to traditional conservatives, for whom radical means extreme left. Could it work against him, though, in any way? Oh, sure it could. I mean, if, if it, it becomes... Uh... If it just becomes what his campaign is known for, uh, then I think people will tire of it and say, okay, enough already. At least one conservative leader has praised Saul Alinsky. That's former Republican House Majority Leader Dick Armey, who was a colleague of Newt Gingrich's in Congress and now heads a Tea Party-allied group. Army says his group uses some of Alinsky's methods in trying to stir up debate at town hall meetings. Army's quoted as saying Alinsky was very good at what he did, but what he did was not good. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show at Patriot.tv Live at uh, X Spaces with our live audience. And our guest today is author of the book uh, Rules for Deplorables, uh, Kathy Chamberlain. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for being with us today. I just wanted to show that media clip because it shows all the way back, <laughs> going back a long time. That was from 20, the 2020 election from... Uh, I think Newt Gingrich was the last mainstream Republican politician running for an office like the presidency that even mentioned Alinsky's name on the campaign trail to try to explain what was happening and what is happening and continue to happen today with this transformation effort that Barack Obama was able to implement as president of the United States and continues uh, uh, under President Biden's effort there. That's how deep the messaging and the influence operation is into the mind of the American people. That that media outlet, which was another local media outlet, went to the trouble of doing that long piece to try to soften Barack Obama and Saul Alinsky and even disavow that there was any connection whatsoever. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and a couple of pieces in that uh, that segment could be pulled apart so easily. I mean, number one, yeah, he was very connected with the with the weather underground, um, and and they were all about the same time and and, and whatnot. But um, two, 
the uh, Obama uh, was a very good student of Alinsky. Obama considers himself a community organizer. Alinsky started up institutions uh, back in his day. He died in 1972, wrote his book, published his book in 1971. Um, but he had institutions that basically trained armies of people um, on how to become community organizers. And if you recall, uh, Obama worked for a period of time in Chicago for uh, ACORN. Remember that group uh, that was caught cheating at elections? Uh, and many of them uh, served time in prison uh, for fraud. Now, also, your audience would probably be interested in hearing Hillary Clinton uh, wrote her thesis at Wesleyan College on the man. He was her idol. But here's another really interesting fact. Um, in when, when Hillary was the State Department, head of the State Department, um, she literally arranged for tons, I'm talking tons of Rules for Radicals books, uh, to be sent over to Eastern Europe. Uh, and if I'm sure your audience is well aware of color revolutions. For those who don't know, that's to topple uh, our, what we used in America, our CIA and what have you, used in order to topple um, and flip uh, countries who were maybe leaning towards uh, a democracy and we didn't want them to, or vice versa. However, we wanted that election to end up. And, and, and so Hillary arranged for George Soros to pay uh, for rules for radicals to uh, be sent over to these countries uh, to train uh, community organizers there. And these are people like Antifa. So um, the, the tactics that they would use through Alinsky's teachings were very militant. Um, and and really kind of elementary too. If you if you read his book, it's not an easy book to read. Uh, but but some of the tactics that they would use uh, were like I, I, they were almost sick. I I mean to to like fill up bathrooms in an airport, for example. That was one of one of his yeah. strategies. Um, and, and and the opera to, to to have a lot of black people. This is how he uses uh, the minorities. Um, that he, he, he thought it would be a great idea to have them all eat beans the night before and then go to the opera that's all hoity-toity that white rich people uh, go to if they didn't get what they want. I mean, these are the, the kind of tactics. Some, so, uh, you know, one of his tactics is one your people enjoy. That would have fit under that number. I think it was number six. But, um, yeah, so I, I like what Dick Army had to say, though. I think he summed it up pretty nicely. Well, we should use uh, the tactics that can work, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whether they come from Linsky or from some other source, uh, you know, and sometimes the counter has to be of the same vein, which is why yes. I wanted to get you on to get your book, you know, further out there to maybe some of my viewers hadn't uh, got a copy of it yet. Uh, and, you, and, you know, you mentioned color revolution and, and just today I've, I've been called a traitor and a and a Putin acolyte again on social media because I oppose this this reckless funding uh, going to the Ukraine, which our CIA and our State Department and our military industrial complex flipped in a color revolution uh, to a from an elected government that was kind of pro-Russia to an elected government that was anti more anti-Russia and willing to try to seek out 
NATO uh, membership, which was the red line for Russia. And unfortunately, now we have probably uh, over 800,000 dead between both sides uh, of that uh, despicable war, Kathy. Uh, so before we let you go, uh, where can folks find the book? Uh, and where are you at on social media? What are your coordinates out there? Thank you for that, Rob. Um, they can go to my website, which is rulesfordeplorablesbook.com, where they can order a, um, a personalized autographed copy there. Or it's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all over the world um, as well. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's my website there. And I also uh, do a lot of speaking. So if people are looking for a speaker, I'm, I am available for that as well. And if you can leave us with your final thoughts as we're going into more primaries on the Republican Party side, and, and you mentioned that uh, we don't get any help uh, from party leadership. I mean, I'm a member of the executive committee in my mm -hmm. county, but uh, but uh, and we can do local action and those kind of things. But really, you know, the Republican Party is is kind of in disarray when it comes to addressing, uh, especially election integrity these days. What are your final thoughts of actions that folks can take uh, today, starting today, uh, to have a positive impact in that area. Yeah, we, we here locally uh, realize that our local Republican executive uh, committee also was not very helpful. Um, they're fighting us at every, every step of the way. And so we started up our own little junior-sized uh, REC. We call it the Pinellas Watchdogs. You can go to that website too, PinellasWatchdogs.org, and get some ideas of what you can do. Uh, the grand jury idea is a good one. Um, but if you have folks, I cannot uh, impress this enough upon you. There are a lot of people out there that are total grassroots volunteers, activists like myself, um, and we're not getting paid anything. This is stuff we have put our entire lives to the side because we know we're at a tipping point here and we're about ready to lose everything, right, Rob? I mean, those people who see that are the ones who are really sticking their necks out. We need more of you. So step up. Absolutely right. Um, please. Absolutely right. Well, thank you for what you do and thank mm -hmm. you, you know, the people you work with. Please thank them uh, for us and uh, and our show will uh, help get the word out uh, get that book, your book, in the hands of more Americans. And, and uh, uh, as a team, we will eventually overcome. Uh, so thank you very much, Kathy, for joining us today. Uh, I look forward to next time because I'll have you on again at some point, I'm sure, because uh, there's always a lot to talk about in this area. Uh, well, that's it for the Rob Manus Show on Patriot.tv Live today. Tomorrow is Whistleblower Wednesday, and we'll have FBI whistleblower Steve Friend from the, as a senior fellow for the Center for Renewing America as our guest. And it's going to be a great show. I'll see you tomorrow.